the Republican Party couldn't even muster a platform for the 2020 election. So it seems pretty far-fetched that it could come up with any kind of serious autopsy to diagnose the causes of its defeat and the madness that came after. Looks like we're going to have to do it for them. Welcome to The Hangover. I'm Chris Steyerwalt, and I'll be your host for this limited-run podcast from The Dispatch and Dispatch Media. Our aim is to explain what went wrong for the GOP and how it got that way. In a series of interviews with key figures and top analysts, I'm going to not just dissect why Republicans lost in 2020, but we're going to fit it into a larger historical context that also relates to what happens from here. It was just four years between Donald Trump taking the oath of office at the Capitol and the moment when an angry mob of his supporters besieged it. That was the shortest span in almost 70 years for either party to gain total control in Washington and then give it all away. But the 2016 boom and the 2020 bust were both substantially caused by the experience of the party's last trip into the wilderness following its 2008 defeat. For every episode, A notable guest will join me to examine a key part of the Republican coalition, the traditional pro-business establishment, the populists, white working class voters, evangelical Christians, the right of center media. We'll talk about political demography. We'll talk about the consultant class, all of it. We'll find out what changed with each group and what comes next for all of them. Can they avoid the same boom and bust cycle? How will they now try to appeal to a nation at a time of major political demographic, and economic realignment. I have always been a big fan of James Carville's saying, which I'm sure he stole from somebody even smarter than him, which is, you're never as far down as you think you are. And it comes with its corollary, which is, that means you're never as far up as you think you are either. And... You need this saying in politics because normally after a party loses an election, they become despondent. They become dispirited. They uh, wander in the in the uh, among the cornrows uh, and and have to be consoled. But what do you do when you have a party that won't admit that it's down at all? What do you have when you have a party that won't be honest about what happened in the previous election? And the reality, of course, is that Republicans are no different than other parties in the past in wanting to ignore the bad stuff. But what is different this time is that there's a fundamental disagreement among Republicans, not just about who's to blame for the defeat, but whether or not there was a defeat at all. Blaming the media, blaming whatever you want, right? So there's a narrative that you can come up with as a Republican to talk about why it was hard for Donald Trump to win in 2020 uh, that relates to an unfair press, the the same things Republicans always uh, have going against them, right? Uh, it's not like it's not like the media loved Mitt Romney. Um, so there's the the set of headwinds that Republican candidates face, and then you could even say that because of uh, the pandemic, even you could say because of the pandemic, this was also made it harder for Donald Trump to win. So you could do that, and there's an effort among many on the uh, Trump adjacent or Trump friendly right to talk about that part of it. And that's fine, right? But that's still just excuse making. That's all that is, is just saying, well, here's why we didn't win. But at least that's an admission that there was a loss. But there's another big chunk of the Republican Party right now that doesn't want to say that they lost at all, right? They don't want to say that they lost at all. Now, we can't fix that here. We're not going to spend 
uh, all of these episodes trying to explain to Republicans that they actually lost the election. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. If you don't know by now, you ain't never going to know. I ain't never going to convince you. If you if you believe that looking for the bamboo fibers uh, in the Arizona ballots is a reasonable step forward, this is not going to be, you're not going to come here and have us change your mind. So we're not going to try. We start with the presupposition that the Republicans most certainly lost the election and that Donald Trump lost decisively. He didn't lose by a wide margin, but it was a decisive electoral and certainly popular vote victory, and that that's true. Um, but if that is true, then we can talk about a bunch of other stuff, right? Then we can get into the why, and then we can get into the what's next, and then we can talk constructively. Republicans don't want to talk constructively right now because they're afraid of their voters. And But we should know elected officials in both parties are afraid of their voters. But Republicans are particularly afraid of their voters right now because Donald Trump has learned how to weaponize those voters. And the debacle that you saw with Kevin McCarthy pushing out Liz Cheney and any other number of things, uh, Republicans in swing states pushing controversial ballot access changes to satisfy the base of their party in order to uh, achieve nothing. And I have a lot of research to, to share with you uh, about why making it harder for people to vote doesn't help Republicans. Uh, that That's certainly true. So why are Republicans going around and bringing up these controversial issues and talking about this stuff and pushing this narrative in states that they're going to have to win next year? They're going to have to win in 2022 in order to take back the Senate and in districts that they're going to need to take back the House. So they they can't even start the conversation. And it may be so, and I think you'll hear this from our guests, it may be so that the only way that Republicans are ever really going to get there uh, is that they're going to have to take the next beating, whatever that is, right? Um, but it may also be true that within the Republican Party is a group of people who are interested in uh, saving their party and doing and acting out of rational self-interest to learn the lessons from 2020 and apply them in the future. We should also remember that the lessons are positive for populists and negative for populists. They're positive for uh, libertarians. They're negative for libertarians. They're positive for evangelicals. There's They're negative for uh, evangelicals. There's no group that, and when you have an undertaking like this, the goal isn't to seat blame and say it's because of these people that this party lost this election. The goal is to try to understand because everybody has, an, there is plenty of blame and there's plenty of credit to go around. Um, there is a reason that Republicans won the House or won so many seats in the House uh, when we were projecting them to lose. Uh, there, there's a reason that the Senate is 50-50. How were Republicans able to keep it that close? All of that stuff uh, is part of a story about there are things that worked for the party. And autopsy uh, would connote dead, <laughs> but nothing is dead. The great thing about American politics is if you get blown out, you still got 45% of the vote, 46% of the, Trump got 47% of the national popular vote. Uh, that's a lot of people. Uh, it's not enough to be president again, but it's a lot of people and you, the distance between in and out. And I think that's really the remarkable thing here. Republicans held on for again, the shortest period of time in, in 70 years for a party to get it all back and then give it all away. 
Um, how do I think a good way for Republicans to think about it is what is necessary to keep and what is necessary to throw away out of the things that led to that takeover in 2016? What got them there and what caused them to lose? And by the way, I will tell you, the person of Donald Trump is not going to be the answer to very many of these things, right? Uh, the person of Donald Trump is not going to be the answer to very many of these things. Uh, the factions that supported him and opposed him were more interested in talking about the factions within the Republican Party than we are talking about charismatic individuals who want to lead those individual branches of the party. Because it's about elections are about voters. And that's what we've got to we've got to remind ourselves. Now, you should listen to this. Whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, a former Republican, a conservative, a liberal, it doesn't matter because here's why. And I think this understanding now rests heavily upon all of us, is a two-party system without two healthy parties is a really bad scene. It's a really bad scene for the country when you have, and we have like a half a functioning party in the United States right now. We've got a two-party system that's running at about 25% capacity. Uh, the Democrats are as weak as, as weak as you could be. They don't really have a majority in the Senate. They need the vice president's vote. Their majority in the House is infinitesimally small. And they have a president who is uh, older than uh, older older than Methuselah and not in touch with the base of his party. They are at a very tenuous grasp of power right now. Uh, and it's not good that a party that weak can win elections, right? That's not a good sign for the country writ large. What you should want is for that Democratic Party to have real competition in the form of a Republican Party that is has enough cohesion and has enough strategic thinking uh, and and rational strategic thinking and the rational self-interest to try to win. It's important for America to have these two parties. I was for a long time, long time, deeply skeptical about the two-party system and all of those other things. What I have come to see is that these weak parties of ours have produced a terrible amount of partisanship, unnecessary partisanship, as individuals look to uh, create better platforms for themselves and strip mine out the resources and credibility of these institutions to advance themselves. So if you care about a healthier conversation in America, you, you care about stronger parties. And right now the Republicans are the ones who are, as the title of this podcast suggests, they're hungover. Right now they're opting just to stay drunk, uh, which is which will take you for a couple days, but sooner or later you're going to run out of beer uh, and it's going to get it's going to get rough. So uh, whether you are right, left, center, whatever, the voices that you're going to hear here, the people you're going to hear here, the discussion is not going to be about how do we beat the dirty dog Democrats. It's not going to be about uh, how terrible the Republicans are. It's going to be a sincere effort to try to get to the bottom of this and talk to some of the very brightest people who I know uh, about this kind of stuff. I think you will enjoy it. I know that we have come to it with humility. I know that we have come to it with a desire to find out uh, and not place blame. I know that uh, we've done it in a way that we're proud of. So I think you're going to like it. Uh, and I hope that you'll stick around for the whole deal. Yeah.